Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here with uh, with the Brett Jones. Brett, what's up, buddy? <laughs> the Brett. The Brett. Um, Do you ever? What movie was that when they called it the Chad? It was with Tom Green. Is it the, the Is Chad. it the Chad? The Chad. Is it like you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly it, what you're talking about. Is it the Chad? It's when he went. He's like. I have to go to Austin, Austin, Massachusetts. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, it's killing me that I can't pull it up. And it's, it's a Tom Green movie. Up. Yeah, because there's a Seinfeld episode where this guy always refers to himself in the third person. Like, you know, Jerry's getting upset. Um, well, he's talking about himself. So um, <laughs> you know, Jerry's getting angry. Is this something to do um, with college? Like a call? I, I know. I know. Yes. And that's all you're going to get out of me because I can't. the The reference is lost in in the the fuzz of the day. Is it the Chad? So uh, I, I I don't know what it is, and it's going to drive me nuts. But anyway, someone's going to know what we're talking about because honestly, I thought Tom Green was pretty funny back in the day. I actually, I will have to say, he had some good stuff early on. Agreed. So okay. guys, today yeah. today we're not talking about Tom Green. <laughs> Today's podcast is not that. But we already went off on a tangent, so what a big surprise. Today we're going to talk about uh, non-traditional programming. And um, you know there are several different ways to get from sort of point A to point B. And uh, you know we're going to talk about some non-traditional ways to acquire skill, to accumulate volume. But Brett... And, and all of his glory is going to tell us about, uh, you know, a recent study that just came out. And uh, I think we're going to find it pretty interesting. So, Brett, all you, bud. No pressure. Um, so uh, I peruse the uh, Journal of Strength Conditioning and Research when it comes out and uh, and look for um look for things that might be of interest. And there was one recently where uh, it's acute mechanical neuromuscular and metabolic responses to different set configurations in resistance training. Um, and the basic protocol, they took two groups. Um, the, uh, one group did three sets of eight with a five minute rest uh, interval the other group did six sets of two with a two minute rest interval between sets. Training intensity was matched 75% one RM total volume was the same 24 repetitions. Total rest is actually the same. There's 10 minutes total rest, but the training density, um, you know, with, um, the way this work rest ratios were, um, so yeah, sorry, the only difference was the work rest ratios. Um, and it's, it's kind of an interest. it's, it's neat to see kind of a study drill down and get like one, uh, variable manipulated. Um, and so the six sets of four with two minutes rest and the, the three sets of eight with five minutes rest. So the, 
what they found was the um, metabolic effects, um, neuromuscular effects and recovery, all better on the six sets of four with a two minute rest period um, versus three sets of eight with a five minute rest period. And, you know, Hey, we, we come out of the strong first, uh, universe where three, three to five minutes of rest is, is considered to be, you know, golden. And, uh, especially if you're training heavier, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put 75% in as heavy, right. That's a nice medium, uh, training load. Uh, it's certainly something that eight reps is going to be not maxing it out, but it's, it's a push at 75%, um, ish. And then four reps is easily in the bag, right? So what they found was lower ammonia, lower lactic acid, um, better recovery. Um, just the six sets of four protocol was successful versus three sets of eight. And, you know, first off, who does sets of four? Like that's when you go into a gym, nobody's going one, two, three, four. Like we'll stop at three. We'll go to five. Four is like a no man's land. Um, so this was in very interesting to me because I think it also lines up with a lot of the velocity based research. You know, if you look at Dan Baker's information and um, I had an article on strong first website data for the data averse and where we were uh, talking about the push band and tracking uh, power uh, for swings and things like that. And um, when you look at the velocity based research, one of the studies that was done there was um, two different studies. One, they stopped the sets, uh, especially for power work, at about a 10% uh, velocity decrease and uh, strength training uh, or more grind-based lift with about a 20% decrease in, in uh, velocity. Um, when they, so that one group did that, stopping at those uh, um, uh, velocity decreases. The other group went ahead and trained to larger velocity decreases and uh, kind of maxing out. And Oddly enough, the reps ended up being ballpark eight to 10 and ballpark four to five. Um, so kind of in the same same ballpark. Um, and somebody's going to go read the research and, and tell me that I'm off by a rep and I'm fine with that. Uh, because <laughs> because like, I don't really care. I, I don't. Um, the the concept is, is, is what I'm after. But when, and then there's another study where they definitely did sets of four versus sets of eight. And in all of these, whether you're looking at this recent study, six sets of four, where they really weren't looking at velocity or power, or you look at the velocity-based research, when you have these shorter, um, higher quality sets, um, the, in the velocity-based research, um, those people who were stopping at the velocity decrease or sets of four, uh, they're ready to train again in 24 hours. Metabolic, mechanical, neurological, they're ready to go again, about 24 hours. The group that was pushing and uh, seeing greater velocity decreases and um, um, <clears throat> or going to sets of eight and 10, um, they they took 72 hours or more to be actually recovered and, and ready to train again. And so I think that when you, uh, what's what I would look at there is you now have this chain of evidence that says, Let's do these shorter sets. Um, let's high quality, focus on the output per rep. Don't think of getting to eight. Think of doing eight, four quality reps. Um, rest periods are variable now because we're not pushing to, to the point where we need so much recovery. Two minute rest period does just fine. Um, so 
I think there's an interesting trend there. And when I look at strong first programming, I see we've kind of been ahead of this uh, for a while. And so, you know, it, it kind of freaks people out when you start, uh, you know, we're going to do three swings every 30 seconds. What? Like, how is that enough? We'll, we'll do 30 minutes of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be asking if three reps is enough. Um, but we're, it's, it's this, you know, mindset of when we start talking about strength training, you still have people that want to train to failure. You have people that think if they're not pushing each set to the point of having only one or two reps in the bank, if, uh, you know, you, you start pushing these intensity variables, maybe that's the reason you're always searching for a recovery strategy. There's other ways to do it. And I, think, I think we should, oh, we should, we could stop it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Done podcast over. Um, but, it, but I, I do think that opening the doors to what would certainly be considered non-traditional training parameters, um, these, um, whether we're talking low rep ladders, uh, where we're working at a particular weight and doing a set of two, a set of four, a set of three, a set of five, a set of two, a set of, you know, where we can accumulate a lot of volume, but we're doing it in these little bite-sized uh, sets. Quality's high, recovery's good. Like it's just a, it's a different way to train than five by five, uh, three sets of 10. Um, and, and you pick up some traditional, you know, protocols from different certifying bodies or different groups. And it's like, well, if you want endurance, do three sets of 15. If you want hypertrophy, do three sets of eight to 12. And if you're training for strength, um, do three sets of six, you know, whatever the general recommendations would be. Um, there's so much better ways to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes to like cluster sets or ascending or descending ladders, I think one of the hard parts that for people to grasp is how to program that in a way that will somewhat line up with traditional programming, right? So let's say you're, you know, you're doing, I'm just throwing it out there. You're doing a heavy descending ladders on your military press. You're doing three, two, one times three, right? So the hard part with that is how, if you want to essentially do like a superset or, or pair that with a lower body based movement, how do you pair that if they're not doing sort of the same protocol, right? So, and there's ways that you can absolutely mix and match, but I think what, that's what people get sort of, stuck on is they're like, well, I'm doing all these ladders and I want to get my military press up, but I also want to do, um, you know, something else like split squats. And, you know, traditionally people aren't going to train split squats in the same fashion. So how do we pair it up? And, and there's ways to do that. You can, obviously, you don't have to do the same amount of sets because I think a lot of people, they think that the sets and reps have to match more. So the sets, I would say, um, and, and there are ways to do that, but you just have to understand at the end of the day, as long as you get the adaptation that you're looking for, that's what really matters. But it's not going to always look pretty on the Excel spreadsheet when you have one day that's a bunch of ascending ladders or descending ladders. And then another day that is going to be, you know, very, very linear, whether it's, you know, it could be, you know, four weeks of four by eight on a split squat and then going into several weeks of four by six or whatever, but it, it can get clunky, right? Um, and the other thing too is, if you are doing ascending or descending ladders on a press, you don't really want to, you don't want to have too much interference within those lifts as well, because then you could be potentially taking away from the goal of getting better at pressing. So that are some of, those are some of the sort of roadblocks that I've heard people talk about when it comes to, you know, looking at those types of ways to program. 
And it's not that it can't be done. It's just, you do have to get a little bit creative and everything is not going to look pretty. You're not going to have like four sets of everything in this and three sets of everything in this, and then you're done. It's just, it's definitely going to look different, but at the same time, like bro was saying, you can accumulate volume. You can get a lot more quality repetitions in and you can train the next day. And, and I always think about, um, you know, what I do with my fighters, right? So <clears throat> these guys train five, six days a week. I'm trying to get them to, to <laughs> pump the brakes at five, but <laughs> um, it is what it is. But so the whole idea of accumulating volume in a way that you're going to have those neurological changes, but you're not going to be smoked is absolutely important for fighters because I can't do a, a lower body, you know, I can't do a leg day. Like I'm not going to do back and buys chest and tries. So they wake up the next day and they can't grapple. They can't move their arms, but I need to find ways to move the needle, but not get them smashed. And, um, you know, a lot of the times I will use ladders. Um, I'll use, you know, some simple on the minute work to accrue volume in a non-fatiguing way. It's basically some ANA templates. Um, and, uh, and I think exercise selection plays a point there too, because, Depending on what exercise you're doing in the adaptations that you're looking for, certain exercises have more eccentric loading, which in, in, you know, most of the time will result in a little bit delayed, a little bit more delayed onset muscle soreness as well. And depending on who you are, my grapplers, we can't have too much delayed onset muscle soreness because it's going to prevent them from doing something, whether it's later on that day or the next day. So there's so many things to consider when it comes to, you know, the programming component but it can be done. It's just, it takes, it takes some experience and it takes some time. And, and, and I would argue because it's not super popular, it's going to be confusing for a lot of people. No, I, I think that uh, when you, when you open these doors to some non-traditional sort of approaches, um, people are going to struggle with it initially, just, just because it is unfamiliar. And then it's, you know, is this really going to work? Sets of three sets of four. Now you want me to do five. Now you want me to go back to two. Um, you know, doing, doing these things is going to, it's going to, if you're not used to, it, it's going to feel a little clunky, uh, initially. Um, but we can look at a program like fighter pull-up program. Um, and you can, you can easily look at that and say, and, and look at success stories that people have had adding, you know, lots of reps to their repetition max or, you know, their one RM, if you're using it with a, a weighted, uh, pull-up, uh, program and contrast that with, um, uh, right of passage where you're doing ascending ladders and you were accumulating uh, volume at, at a fairly moderate uh, load. And, um, you know, those two strategies, although they look very similar are different, right? Um, the way I think about it, and I'm, I'm going to run this question by Pavel so that I can get the right answer. But uh, <laughs> the, the, way, the way that I'm looking at it right now um, is Ascending ladders because you work, and I, th I think where ladders probably go wrong for people is not resting enough between the rungs. Um, you know, Pavel's advice initially in rite of passage, and remember that's a moderate weight strategy. Um, you were to rest at least as long as the previous rung had taken you, um, and then I would say add to that a, a little bit. Um, because I know a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm going to run my ladder of one through five and they don't set the bell down <laughs> and they do one, right, one left, two, right, two left, you know, that, blah, blah, blah. They're, they just go continuous. Well, that's a lot of reps in a row. You were working for a really long time. I am more and more and more convinced that regardless of what I'm doing, I want to be done in under 30 seconds 
and more ideally in about 15 seconds before I'm taking uh, some sort of rest. It can be very brief, but I, I'm because I, I look at some of my iron cardio work where, you know, clean press squat or clean press or traveling twos, I'm ballpark 10 to 15, 10 to 13 seconds to get those sets done. And I only know that because I start the clock on my first set and, uh, and then I don't look at the clock again uh, after I do my first set left and right and then set, set the clock away. Um, and we can get into the metabolic reasons and the, the, the recovery reasons and things like that, that, that where I, I think that's become more and more and more important. Um, but when you look at ladders ascending, um, that's building capacity, right? We're accumulating, we're accumulating volume without fatigue. We're increasing our capacity to do that work within those ladders. When we look at a descending ladder, it's because uh, I asked this, I proposed a uh, programming improv with Pavel and, and Fabio. We were talking about peaking for a, a pull-up test. And, and I was suggesting in the training just to alternate, you know, two weeks of fighter pull-up and then two weeks of uh, ascending ladders. And um, and I got a very quick response of, well, that that's, that's the peaking strategy, not a training strategy. And I was like, I had to think about that for a little while. Um, but I think when you look at the descending ladders, because you're repeating, you're pushing to, it, it could still just be half of your, uh, one RM or two thirds of your repetition, one half to two thirds of your repetition max, but that's still a pretty good effort to come back into that and do one rep less and then come back into that and do one rep less. And that is almost the old, uh, um, tolerance strategy that we've seen in conditioning for a really long time. You know, this is going to burn and suck. So we're just going to get you good at dealing with the burn and the suck so that you increase your tolerance to that work. Um, both obviously have their strategies. And I, that's why I can see the, the, the descending ladders being more of a peaking strategy, because now we are talking about accumulating some glycolytic work. We're talking about pushing our repetitions in a little bit different way than we do with ascending ladders. And so that just that difference right there opens up a bunch of different programming possibilities. And, you know, ladders, um, rule of thumb on ladders is uh, almost, is it, uh, what's the F Fabinucci, Faba, what's the? Fib Fibonacci. Fibonacci. Thank you. Uh, Bless you. <laughs> sorry we're we're, we're both of us this is ridiculous this is ridiculous all right um anyways but where the the previous two uh numbers add up to the the next one so with ladders one two and three um so that makes sense two three five uh three um three four seven love seven uh, big fan of seven Big Love, fan of sevens. Big fan of sevens. I program um, sevens, fours, nines, and elevens with everybody just so they ask, why did you do this? And I'm like, because I can. It's it's me asserting power. Because I can. And now I know you're paying attention. <laughs> like that's, I used to do that with, with people all the time. I would say do five and I'd let them go to 15. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, why'd you let me go to 15? I'm like, A, you should pay attention. B, we can go heavier. Because if I want five and you're able to do 15, we're way light. Like, yeah, way too of, light. Way too light. Um, and if I if I said, ask them to do 15 and I stopped them at six, they'd be like, what's wrong? Nothing. 
You just need to know that you can stop a set whenever you need to stop a set. You're not, are you getting paid to go to rep seven? Because if the answer is no, just stop. Yeah. Like how many, how many stories in the gym where somebody's like, Oh, you know, I tweaked this out or the other thing. And they're like, well, I went for one more rep all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the oldest stories in the book. Right. So I think, you know, <laughs> coming back from our, uh, Gesundheit, uh, joke and, uh, the, whatever that name was, the, uh, the magic formula sort of thing. Um, the, it, opening up these programming possibilities going beyond three sets of eight. Um, even looking at that recent study that I was talking about three sets of eight versus six sets of four. Um, just, it, it it expands strength training into something that can have a lot more variability to it. Um, uh, and I, I keep coming back to this idea of recovery where everybody's putting in all these recovery strategies. Well, okay. What if it's, what if we tweak your um, work rest ratios? What if we tweak the, uh, the volume per set? What if we go to, you know, sets of four at 75, 80%, sets of three at 80% um, and and work these things differently? You might find yourself recovering. That's one of the things that I've found and a lot of people have found with like the iron cardio stuff when you're doing one rep at a time and uh, of three or four exercises in a sequence, um, you don't feel beat up. You can, you can repeat that effort and you can keep coming back. So I think... Um, if if we had a goal for this podcast episode, it would have been this this idea of uh, this these non traditional strategies and just just kind of opening people's minds. Let's let's go after things differently. Um, there's the repetition police are not going to break down your door when you, when you program sets of uh, three, four, and seven ladders of three, four, and seven on an exercise. The repetition police are not coming for you. You you can do that. Um, so you might run that for three or four weeks, and then you might flip the script into a descending ladder strategy. Um, if we were talking about pull-ups, for example, um, you might flip that script into a descending ladder strategy and work for one or two weeks to, in order to peak uh, for a repetition max um, sort of uh, attempt. So lots of lots of different ways to do it. And, and I, I do want to capitalize on something you said uh, earlier about combining and doing something during the rest periods. That's something that Chad Waterbury, Alan Cosgrove, uh, and even some of our own um, protocols, um, one of the swing and press protocols that Pavel came out with um, a while back was 25 swings, which is pretty high volume per set for, for, our, uh, for our group. Um, but you're doing a set every 10 minutes. I think it was 10 minutes from was every five. Um, but regardless, it was a big rest period, big rest period. But in that rest period, halfway through your rest period, you knocked out a set of presses on each arm. Then you rest for the rest of the rest period and you do your next set of swings. So the old Russian joke that a change of activity is a form of rest. Um, you're taking advantage of that. And then Chad Waterbury will talk you through the kind of neurological benefit of uh, switching from, say, an upper body to a lower body exercise. And to your point of the ladders, military press ladder, one, two, three, during your five-minute rest period before that next ladder, halfway through, knock out a set of kettlebell front squats. Yeah. Knock out split squat or 
airborne lunge, whatever you want to do. Um, but that uh, taking advantage of the rest period uh, by getting in your other work is more time efficient. And there's, there's a neurological boost that you're getting from uh, that switch of activity. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you know, if you look at how much time people spend exercising, most people, whether, you know, whether it's in a gym setting, a class, or even if they're, you know, getting a program, most people are going to spend about an hour about, you know, training. Maybe it could be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, a little bit less. Um, but you know, when I'm, when I'm training my fighters, uh, their, their training sessions are an hour and a half, but they're not training for an hour and a half there, you know, big part of it is resting or what, you know, we call them fillers. Anytime we have, you know, I, I don't think I look at all of the time as a way to get useful time. We could be doing, you know, while we're resting, we could be doing a little bit of core work. We could be doing a little bit of shoulder mobility. We could be doing some hip stuff as long as it sort of, uh, it doesn't necessarily, as long as it doesn't pull from, from the goal, right? Like for example, if you're doing heavy deadlifts, you're not going to do farmer's carries on your rest because <laughs> now you're going to fry your grip and, and it's, it's going to have, um, a contraindication. So you have to be smart with those fillers because really the goal of, of, of sort of that active rest, if you have a big enough rest period, yes, you can throw in some front squats, but if you're only using two to three minutes, then you can add on some of those sort of lower threshold things. It could be, you know, working on some mobility restrictions or some, maybe it's a primer and it's an activation for whatever's coming next, but there's always, there's always time to do something that's going to be beneficial. And if we're being honest, if you are uh, someone that works with people that need to be busy, like some people just can't rest. They, they think everything is a Metcon. You can add in to their programming. Let's say they're doing just picking two exercises, single leg squats, and you're doing military presses. Well, some people don't want to rest for two or three minutes. So you're going to have to give them something in between to keep them occupied. And as long as it isn't contraindicated or it's going to steal from the goal of the, the training block, then you're going to be good to go. It could be balance work. It could be a little bit of core. Um, who knows? But there are ways to sort of, you know, uh, sneak in the veggies into the smoothie type scenario. Um, and, and I think another thing too, when it comes to overall program design, and, and this is huge with iron cardio is um, you get so much training density, so much quality training density in, in a certain uh, amount of time. But again, you can do it the next day and you can do it the next day and you can do it the next day. And um, when it comes to, you know, strength, strength and conditioning for athletes, I always program total body days because if these guys want to train three to four days a week, we can't have a leg day. We can't have a, a chest and a tricep day. We can't like traditional splits are great. They work, but when you're dealing with athletes that are training four or five, six days a week, you just, you can't, you can't make them sore because you're trying to, you know, uh, you're trying to blow out one body part. It just simply won't work. So, um, I, I think the beauty of stuff like iron cardio, and even when you're do when you're programming total body lifts, and I've heard coach Boyle talk about it. Um, it's just the overall training density, the amount of work that you can get done in a given time is greater. And if you're smart, you can do it in a way that's not going to smoke you. And, you know, quality movement is quality movement. And at the end of the day, if you're reaching your goals and you're getting the positive adaptation that you're looking for, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I think that, um, that I haven't programmed, trained or thought in a body part split fashion for 20 years. Uh, when I, when I started, you know, training with, uh, in, with Pavel's methodologies and, first got uh, power to the people and and you know that was like this anti bodybuilding um minimalist strength training uh program and 
like mind blown um, initially. And then I started doing it. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can deadlift every day. Just yeah, program it correctly. You're going to do less. You're going to accumulate work, but it's over time and it's going to take days to get the same work in that you would get in in, in a single session maybe, but it's a time efficient. It's better for recovery. Your strength goes through the roof. Like everything gets better. And, and so that was like 20 plus years ago. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I don't need to train in a, in a body part fashion. Um, and I still don't like, I, I just, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were, you know, laying out this body part split. And I'm like, it's like they were speaking Greek. I was like, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. So yeah, full body training, um, opening up the doorway to these short sets and the interesting conversation I had on another podcast, uh, where the question came up of the snatch test and why, why would you put people through that? And I said, well, a, that's a test. That's not how we train. And I think that's an important delineation for a lot of folks, uh, for a lot of folks, all of their training is testing. They're constantly trying to push into uh, a, a different range, more reps, whatever the case may be. Um, what if your training was training um, and uh, you're, you had timeframes and things that you were trying to peak for and run a test to see where you are, but all of your training does not need to be testing. And so it, it, that again, opens up this, this idea that I, I can, I can have an easy day. I can have a hard day, I can have a high volume day, low volume day. We, we can, we can do every permutation in between. Too many people look at training like it's business school, where they tell you your progress should be linear and up uh, all the time. Because what's what's the goal for next year, boss? 15% growth. What's the goal for next year, boss? 15% growth. Well, okay. I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but okay. Um, and strength training is you know, similar. It's like the stock market, right? It's going it's to bounce up and down. You're going to have all these different variables coming into play, the overall trend should be up, but it's not linear. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, I also just think that people need to just enjoy the process. It's, um, I, I like to joke right now that I have no goal and it's not a, much of a joke because I really don't have a goal other than to train. And, uh, I'm successful in my goal right now. I am training. Um, <laughs> So. Well, I, you know, I was listening to, and I forget, it was probably one of those motivational, you know, reels on, uh, on Instagram, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's that, it's that exact sort of sentiment. It's, you know, you have to enjoy, um, you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to enjoy the process. It's something along the lines of, you know, uh, the man who enjoys walking will always walk further type thing. Right. And it's, and that's really what it boils down to is, is simply, um, when it comes to health and fitness, unless you do have specific goals, right, which are competitive goals, nothing wrong with that. There is no end, right? There is no like the end is when you die, right? And uh, it's not like you go to the gym one day and all of a sudden you're like, we did it. Like we we're there. We are a finished product. I always think of uh, Elf when he goes in yeah. uh, and he gets a cup of coffee. He's like, congratulations. You did you it. did it. <laughs> and like I, that's not fitness right it's not like we're here we we finally did it and 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 honestly like it it 
you know, I always, uh, I, I always think about training with like, uh, you know, with Bill Belichick's press conference with the Patriots, we're on to the next, like you could win the Super Bowl, <laughs> And then like, he's happy for about three weeks and he's like on to the next season. And it's just, but that's, that's kind of strength training in a nutshell. It's like on to the next, it's always on to the next. And that's why you do have to absolutely learn to enjoy the process. And that's why, and you, you talk about all, talk about it all the time is training needs to be fun. Like I got into kettlebells because it looked fun and, 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 uh, and I enjoyed it and it was something different. And I'm not saying all of your workouts have to be this fun thing. It's, it's not all about entertainment, right? Sometimes you're going to do things that you just don't like, but that's just called life. So you're going to have to suck it up a little bit, but I mean, you should pick a modality that you enjoy, right? And, and if you want, if you're a body weight person, cool. If you're a, a kettlebell person, cool. If you're, um, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're moving towards your goals and you're doing it in a safe fashion, cool. Awesome for you. And, um, I, I think that's that, that, that message gets lost because I think everyone's, you know, the strength training people, the power lifters want everybody to power lift and they think it's the Mecca. And, and even in the kettlebell world, we, we see it all the time and we love kettlebells. I'm a big fan of it, but they also have, they have things that they do really, really well. And, and even the way that they use them, you can get specific adaptations, but there are other ways that you just can't get the adaptations based off of physiology. So it really comes down to, are you progressing? Are you having fun? And is it safe? And at the end of the day, if you're doing those things, that's not a bad start. Well, and I and I think that uh, there's joy in work, and and I, I don't maybe that's just me personally, um, but work is joy. Uh, my, my wife tells me uh, fairly frequently that I need a hobby, and I'm like, no, I've got one. I it's my training. Like I I actually really enjoy this stuff. And I enjoy the, uh, as Pavel has referred to it, this kind of manual labor sort of mindset uh, where I, you know, I'm doing heavy work that feels good, but I can sustain the effort. And um, I, I, I think that uh, everybody's a lot better off when you can hit that point of, uh, of enjoyment. Um, and so kind of bringing this, bringing this back around into uh, maybe, maybe, uh, a closing uh, sort of sort of statement. Um, a, do your research. Look at something like Plan Strong, Build Strong. Um, take the deep dive. And there's math involved. I, I just have to warn everybody right up front. There's math involved, um, which I'm not a fan of. But uh, you'll you'll make it through. Even somebody like me can can make it through. Look at something like that. Do your own research. Look at the velocity-based research. Look at this recent study. Um, you know, get get a little deeper knowledge into into what's going on, and then try some of these non-traditional sort of uh, protocols. If you've never done ladders, try ladders. Just start simple, one, two, three. You know, uh, and accumulate a little bit of volume, and and maybe you maybe you look at the old rite of passage program. Maybe you look at fighter pull-up program. Um, try some of these things. Um, if you've never done sets of three, <laughs> maybe you should go through a time frame of doing sets of three. Um, you know, open, open the doors, uh, to, uh, and, you know, I don't want to go all Morpheus on everybody and tell everybody to free their mind, but, uh, you know, open the doors, 
there's there's non-traditional ways to do this and uh, when when we look at these cluster sets and varied uh, varying the weight throughout uh, a session uh, in combination with varying the the, the load uh, or the uh, rep scheme so hitting a set of five at 405 uh, and then coming back with a set of two at 315 and then a set of four at 365 and you know so now we're just all over the place with with how we're accumulating the uh the, the work and those uh all of that stuff can be super successful um if you want to keep it super simple uh not to beat the dead horse but uh iron cardio like just keep it simple get your singles in accumulate a bunch of volume uh enjoy the process and results follow open the doors Absolutely. And uh, I'll kind of close us with two things is one, do the programs, like follow other people's programs. If you want, hire someone and, and follow the program that they write for you or buy a book and follow the program. If you want to get good at programming, do a whole bunch of different things for a really, really long time. And, and look at what the underlying principles are of those trainings, of those training programs, right? Look at how the sets and reps are laid out. Like try to, try to look past like, oh, it's a cool program and, and inquire, like be curious, like how did they get to that? And think about the why. Anytime I see a program, I'm not like, that's a cool program. I'm thinking what's behind this program? Like what are, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, I, I just, that's how I look at stuff. I, I can't not look at it that way, but be curious about why and and then give it a whirl. And if it works and you want to dig a little bit deeper as to why, awesome. Like you should, like it's, you're going to learn so, so much about, you know, whether you're doing some of the work of Pavel or Boyle or, or, um, you know, Wendler or Westside or uh, Chad Waterbury or Charles Staley's at escalated density training. Like all of these things are awesome, but you got to do them and you got to feel it. And, and, and again, people are far too, Coaches are far too comfortable dishing out programs they've never done or have never even come close to attempting. And let me tell you, when I started working with fighters, um, one of the reasons why I started jujitsu was because I wanted to see what they, I wanted to feel what they felt. Like I wanted to see what it really felt like to, to grapple and to wrestle. And I had a huge appreciation for what these guys are going through. And it changed my programming a lot because um, it truly is a, a scenario where less is more, but, um, I will, uh, I will leave you with one little sort of story and then we'll, we'll shut it down here. Um, so I was doing a, uh, a talk on program design for perform better. Um, I did two or three of them this last year and it was about program design. And I started off, um, talking about the ways app W A Z E. And it's just a, it's an app in, in which, you know, you can look at traffic, and uh, you can try to find the, the the simplest way or the fastest, most effective way to get to your destination. And that's program design in a nutshell, right? You have your starting point. That's where you're currently parked in your car. And then you have your destination, wherever that's going to be. If I'm going to see Brett, I'm going to Pittsburgh, right? So, but if I do that, it's going to give me several different routes. It usually gives you three routes and you can choose based off of your preferences and your time, what route you want to take. Now, usually those routes are, you know, within four to five minutes of one another, maybe a little bit differently, depending on the length of the journey. But if you get there in a safe and efficient fashion, there are several different ways to get to your destination. As long as you get there, that's what it boils down to. So program design is just like the Waze app, right? It's simply 
You have your starting point. You have several different ways to get there. And hopefully you arrive at your destination and you're going to hit traffic along the way and you're going to have to reroute. And that's just a big part of programming because you wrote that awesome deadlift program where you have 3% jumps and blah, blah, blah. And then your client comes in on a Monday and said that they hurt their back. That's a traffic stop. That's, that's, that's traffic jam. And you have to find another way to get to your destination. And, uh, that's just part of, uh, that's just part of coaching in general. So, um, that's uh that's my little ways story and i thought it was a pretty good one what do you think was it good i like that see i like that I, a lot. see i thought it was um, pretty good right yeah i'm I, i'm i'm in i'm fibonacci I'm, uh, fib 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 bless you tib tib um, fibonacci <laughs> the uh swinson samson samsonite slippy so swami i was way off <laughs> um, um no, I, I think that uh, you know I'm reminded of the the Yogi Berra quote: "If if you don't know where you're going, any any road will get you there." Um, and so the antithesis to the Waze uh, app, uh, and, and that's really how a lot of people, um, you know, program themselves. A, they don't have a good starting point because they they don't have baseline. They're just like, "Why well, I, I need to work out?" Okay, a lot of different ways to make that happen. Now you're Yogi Berra. You, you're uh, you know, you don't know where you're going and any road will get you there. Um, so the Waze app is a, is a great way to look at it as, you know, having a starting point, having a destination, charting the path, but knowing it's going to change. So I'm a fan. Nice story. I like it. You could totally, to you can totally use that and take credit. And for anybody listening, all of our millions of fans, <laughs> um, you can totally use that and you don't even have to give me credit. Give Brett credit. I'll, I'll um, give you credit for two weeks. After that, it was my idea. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, another another podcast of us rambling and uh, we're getting off track more and more. Um, I'm glad we don't do this live with an audience. Um, anywho, uh, good to good to talk to you, Brett. And for those of you listening, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, go ahead and share with your friends, colleagues, loved ones, pets, whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. And give us a positive review on whatever platform you are listening to. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.